Hello, we are the Ishtar Collective, a website dedicated to categorizing the law of destiny. You can find us online at www.ishtar-collective.net and on Twitter at IshtarCall. I'm Baxter, the founder of the Ishtar Collective. I'm Purple Chimera, the lead archivist at the Ishtar Collective. And today we are going to summarize the events that take place in the Books of Sorrow. So if you're already familiar with the, the Books of Sorrow, then feel free to skip this episode and go on to our next episode where we are going to analyze and um, talk about in more detail what actually happens in the Books of Sorrow. So the Books of Sorrow begin on a planet called Fundament, which is a gas giant. And um, Fundament is populated by a number of species, including one species that we refer to as the Protohive. On Fundament, there is uh, a continent called the Osmium Court, and that is ruled by um, a member of the Protohive species called the Osmium King. And the king has three daughters, Orash, Sathona, and Zyro. And the three daughters are raised by Teox, who is an infertile mother. Most protohive only live about ten years, but um, as a mother, Teox is immortal. Teox thinks that the king is senile because he's obsessed with a dead worm that he carries around with him all the time. And um, he, he talks to this worm and, and you know, he basically doesn't really act the way that a king should behave. So she plans, Teox plans with the Helium Court, who were another continent of protohive um, people, to overthrow the monarchy to kill the king and to also kill his three daughters because she doesn't think that they are suitable heirs either. So they plan, the plan is successful um, and the king is killed. With his dying breath, he warns his daughters of a syzygy, an alignment of 52 moons, which would cause a devastating wave and wipe out all life on the fundament. <coughs> so the three, dog, three daughters escape the assassination attempt using a ship and swear vengeance against Teox and her allies. Despite Arash being the navigator and Jairo being a brave warrior, it's Sathona's wit and surprising good luck that helps them succeed in escaping. Sathona knows of the existence of a needle ship <coughs> that was piloted by the ancestors of the protohive, and it's not a sea ship, it's, it's for some other purpose, and she says that she knows what its purpose is and what happened to its crew. Then there's a section of this book that's authored by Sathona where she reveals to the reader, although not to her sisters, that she is in possession of this worm that her father spoke to and that the worm is who told her how to survive and about the ship. And she says of the worm, it's dead, but it still speaks to me. It says, listen closely, O oh vengeance mine. When the sisters finally get the needle ship, it's really weird. For one thing, the ship has a birthing chamber with what they describe as an atrocity inside of it, and they have to spend some time clearing that atrocity out. 
As they travel um, using their ship, Sothona laments that they are growing old by proto-hive standards and they'll soon die. Orash suggests that they use the needle ship to dive beneath the surface of the fundament to reach the core. This seems to be the ship's intended purpose and Arash hopes quite desperately that they might dive into the the core of the world and find some secret that they might be able to use to either extend their lives or avenge the death of their father. Zyro is cautious, claiming that the atrocity in the birthing room was born in the core. Sothona listens to the whispers of her worm and she encourages the sisters to dive. So they dive beneath the surface of the fundament and they meet the Leviathan, who warns them, you must turn back, save yourselves from the deep, save the world from yourselves, you must turn back. So Arash and Jairo both argue with the Leviathan and the Leviathan responds to each of their arguments. Sothona protests and reveals to her sisters that it's the worm that's helped them find the ship and given them hope when all is lost, while the Leviathan has done nothing to help them. Um, and she says, let us see where its whisper leads us, Arash. Let us go deeper, deeper, Jairo. Let us dive, O sisters mine. And the Leviathan gives no response to that. <clears throat> so they continue to dive and they meet Yule, the honest worm, and he describes himself thusly. Behold my passage, behold my vast displacement, my ponderous strength, my great and coiling length, my folded jaws and curled wings. Behold the hiving cities symbiotic with my flesh. I am fecund, Arash. I am at the beginning and end of lives. Then the worm gods offer a bargain. They will give the sisters their larvae and... The sisters will be given awesome power and eternal life, but in return, they must follow their natures forever. And the sisters agree. So the worm gods fill their ship with their larvae and tell the sisters to spread the larvae among all of the proto-hive. They say to make an example of those who refuse it. And since the tidal wave caused by the syzygy will kill them anyway, it doesn't particularly matter. So the, the three siblings accept the larvae. Orish takes on the king morph and becomes Oryx. And um, Orish goes from being a female to a male. Zyro becomes Zivu Arath, a powerful warrior. And Sathona becomes Savathun, um, a mother or maybe more accurately in hive terms, a witch. Or is the term wizard? I don't know. Well, they're mothers. Anyway. So, I think witch, maybe. Yeah, okay. Mm. The worm gods explain that the Leviathan caged them inside the fundament. And they say that the Leviathan is a pawn of what they call the sky. They explain that the philosophy of the sky is a lie. And they say that the sky seeds civilizations predicated on a terrible lie. That right actions can prevent suffering. That pockets of artificial rules can defy the final beautiful logic. 
This is like trying to burn water, antithetical to the nature of reality, where deprivation and competition are universal. In the deep, we enslave nothing. Liberation is our passion. We exist to help the universe achieve its terminal, self-forging glory. The larvae-infused protohive push back Teox, and the worm and the worms convince the siblings to find some means of leaving the planet. The worm gods fear that the Leviathan and other agents of the sky will prevent them from leaving the planet. So they give this message to the sisters, to the siblings. Overwhelm the Kahan Bastion, slaughter everyone there, from your acts we shall obtain the logic we require to cut space open and migrate to orbit. Reality is a fine flesh, O general ours. Let us feast of it. Using the, the logic that the worm gods acquire, the protohive are able to leave the fundament and the worm gods are able to escape fundament as well. So once they get to orbit, they discover a seafaring, a, seafaring, <laughs> a spacefaring <laughs> species called the Ammonite, and also something that the worms go worm gods call a traveler. Um, <clears throat> and Oryx um, is keen on making peace with the Ammonite, which the worm gods quickly chastise him for. The Ammonite. Um, begin using paracausal weapons provided by the traveler and the worms respond by giving Savathun some rituals that allow them to call upon the powers of the deep to create blades that can affect reality. Oryx is killed by his own sister for showing mercy to the Ammonite and the worms further explain their philosophy and how throne worlds work. The Leviathan breaks the surface of the fundament and says, Sisters of Arash, open your eyes. Who made you monsters? Who summoned the wave? And then the Leviathan is killed and the Ammonite destroyed and the traveler flees or retreats <coughs> and Teox is still missing in action. So off they go again. So um, at this point, the proto-hive officially become the hive. Um, they have evolved beyond their their previous existence. Savathun discovers so prior to this, um, Oryx has been killed, and he somehow comes back. And Savathun discovers that the means of Oryx's death and return, and the wounds cut by the worm gods into space, are related. So the siblings practice the sword logic until they can also cut wounds into space and step through them. And this is how the, the siblings find the ability to enter their throne worlds. And using this ability, the hive were able to spread far and wide throughout real space, but stay connected via the sword space. The siblings made war upon each other for 20,000 years and killed each other repeatedly to practice death. And this was how they worshipped the deep. Oryx creates 
his court that he calls the high wall and this is the way that he allows others to challenge him um, to prove their might. Uh, Savathun creates her own court that she calls the High Coven for a, a similar purpose. Zivu Arath doesn't create a court and she says that the world is her court. So the siblings encounter a race called the Kugu and they are defeated. The Kugu had a symbiotic relationship and Rx compares this to their, or his and her sister's relationships with the worm, that they also have a symbiotic relationship. And he says, <clears throat> and what is that final shape? It is a fire without fuel, burning forever, killing death, and asking a question that is its own answer, entirely itself. That is what we must become. And then Oryx discovers that his warm hunger grows faster than he can feed it, and he cannot figure out what to do to overcome this problem. So then a race called the Ecumen discover Teox, and the Ecumen have so far failed to stop the Hive from destroying 17 worlds, and they're getting very concerned that all the species within the Ecumen face extinction. Teox provides information to help them, and this is pretty bad for the siblings they start feeling defeated and they embrace uh, but between the hunger of their worms and this new offensive from the ecumen they think all is lost and the hive are disgusted with their that their leaders have failed zivu arath wants to retire and gain strength savathun wants to ask the worm gods what to do arx gets angry and he says have you learned nothing? Would you deny our purpose? Whatever we do, whatever we do by killing, by an act of war and might. This is the final arbiter we serve, that violent arbiter. And if we turn away from it, we deserve to be eaten. And then he comes up with a plan. He kills his sisters to gain their knowledge. And it is likely that this happened while they were inside Rx's throne world. So next Oryx travels into the the depths of the of the throne world and he visits Aka, the Worm of Secrets. And he points out to Aka that the worms were a gift, but that the deep does not give gifts. The deep asks that you take what you need. And using the strength that he gained from killing his siblings, Oryx cuts open Aka and he takes the power of the deep. And um, the card itself says, Oryx, the first navigator, set upon his god with his sword and his words and cut Aka to pieces and took from those pieces the secret of calling upon the deep. He wrote this secret on a set of tablets, which he called the Tablets of Ruin, and he wore them about his waist. And the worm gods seem pleased about this, even though... Aka, who was one of the worm gods, is now dead. Or, well, we think he's dead. He's mostly dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? And at this point, Oryx becomes Oryx. Um, my pronunciation of the two is fairly similar. But he goes, he goes from being A-U-R-Y-X to O-R-Y-X. 
So Oryx uses his new powers to take Ecumen warriors, and this is the first time that we encounter his power of, of taking um, species and, and turning them into the Taken that we fight. He f fights the Ecumen for a hundred years, and he defeats the Ecumen Council, and from their blood ra rose Zivu Arath. After 40 more years of war, Oryx makes a pact with the Dekua Nest and to defeat Zivu Arath, and in doing so, he led them into a trap and destroyed them. And from their ashes rose cunning Sabathun. So Teox manages to escape again. And um, following the, the following Oryx's return from um, killing Akka and from defeating the Ecumen, the Hive establish a system of tithes. And this allows Oryx to continue to work on his, you know, the grand work of um, mapping death and navigating the deep um, without having to, to constantly kill to, to feed his worm. Um, the Hive defeat the Tashibethi, and at this point Oryx says that the deep is calling him. And then the deep itself arrives, and Oryx communes with it. And uh, during this this conversation, re really the deep just, con you know, it talks more about the philosophy of the deep. And then Oryx has a really weird dream, which is a kind of an interesting departure in the Book of Sorrows. Um, and when he returns from communing with the deep and presumably after he's had this dream he decides that he wants to have children <clears throat> so then um, Crota is born his son Oryx gives him a sword and tells them that they're fight about the fight against the sky and the tr and chasing of the traveler um, then he has Iranuk and Irhalak and we learn a little bit about their exploits. Iranuk has written axioms describing the ascendant planes and plans to change one of these axioms. And Oryx is impressed by that. Irhalak sang the death song in Zivu Aras throne world and killed everyone who listened to it. And then they find a way to hide their deaths in an oversoul. Uh, and Crota sees this and decides to experiment with it. So he cuts a wound in Oryx's throne world and in come the Vex. So the Vex pour into Oryx's throne world, but they don't understand the sword logic. And so they don't know how to build things. And their buildings are described as deranged. And um, so at this point, the Vex ritual of better thoughts manifests a mind called Curia, Blade Transform. And Curia understands the sword logic. And... The Vex spawn huge warriors and they massacre acolytes and thrall, gaining power through slaughter. Ir Halak and Ir Anak, together with the other wizards, form annihilator totems that they use to destroy the Vex. The Hive in Oryx's throne and the Vex reach a stalemate, and Ir Halak is very worried that their dad is going to be really angry. <laughs> 
and she says, Father is going to eat our souls. Which I think is a worry that all teenagers have at some point. <laughs> um, Curia studies the worm larvae and manifests what, what, what are described as religious tactics. Curia manufactures a priesthood and that priesthood begin worshipping the worm. And it's pointed out in this card, um, open your eye, go into it. For some reason, sorry, for some vex reason, Curia never attempted to introduce worm larvae into its mind fluid. Which is actually really wise. This is because the vex aren't idiots. <laughs> um, sorry, I shouldn't be coughing. <coughs> anyway, um, at the end of the card... Um, it says, this drew the attention of the worm, our god. Oryx called air, set your house in order. So Oryx returns from communing with the deep, and he uses his power to take some vex, and he sets the vex against each other, which turns the tide in the favour of the hive and, and beats the vex. But Oryx is troubled because Oryx is driven to, to understand things, and he doesn't understand the Vex. Um, for his bad behaviour, Crota is banished. So what that actually means is Oryx picks Crota up by the legs and throws him into a wound, I think. I, I thought it was a Vex gate network. Yeah, I think it is the Vex gate network, actually. That's a good point. So, yeah, he gets... Th- thrown into the the Vexgate network. So, (laughs) Savathun explains that the Vex seek to understand everything so that they can build a victory condition for every possible end state of the universe. Oryx decides to move his throne world to a titanic warship, a dreadnought. Um, Oryx uses a piece of Akka, who was, quote, dead, but far from gone, and the hammer of Zivu Arath and the scapel of Savathun and creates the dreadnought <clears throat> and he, which he turns his throne world inside out. So um, the dreadnought and his throne world coexist. Um, then he ma- Oryx makes war on the Nietzsche thought ship and trying to define the location of the gift mast, which has been left behind by the traveler. But on board this thought ship was Quaria Blade Transform. So Oryx challenges Quaria to simulate him. Quaria uh, basically fails. He manages to simulate Arash and glean some potentially useful information from the encounter and transfers that information to the Vex. And then Oryx takes Quaria and gives him to Savathun. And Savathun um, worries that this that they don't have any proof for this philosophy that they have. (coughs) And Oryx says, Sister, it's us. We're the proof. We the hive. If we last forever, we prove it. And if something more ruthless conquers us, then the proof is sealed. And uh, she looks back at him with eyes like hot needles. I like that, she says. That's elegant. Although, of course, she has had this thought before. so tempted to talk about things but I'll resist (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
The hive arrive at the gift mast, created by the traveller to give warm light to ten worlds, the species of which is called the Harmony. And um, in the, the card, I'd shut them all in cells. Zivu Arath, Rites of the Harmony, the dragons. Our gods should be ours alone. Their smug freedom is an insult to me. I'd shut them all in cells. Bring them to me. Zivu Arath attacks, fighting the harmony head on, but the harmony defend themselves using dragon wishes. Savathun's celebrants disguise themselves and infiltrate the harmony. And um, the quote there is that so that they might vivisect these dragons, the worm our god laughs and laughs. Meanwhile, Oryx has plotted for years growing broods and throws rocks and com comets at the harmony worlds, scattering their fleet. And the combination of Zivu Arath's attack and Savathun's disguised celebrants and Oryx's broods eventually overwhelm the harmony defences and the hive devour the gift mast. And it's at this point that um, Savathun basically decides that it would be best if the siblings go in separate directions. Um, Savathun says that they should go in separate directions so that they can become more different. And Zivu Arath complains that Oryx basically takes up too much space and is quite a domineering character, so she also goes off on her own. Um, the final two cards then talk about Oryx's beliefs, and in the, the final card... Oryx actually contemplates what will happen if he is defeated. Should I read that, or do you want to read that? Um, <clears throat> I can read it. Okay. If I am defeated, I know that I will fall to something mighty, something that craves might, something that loves what I love, which is the deep, a principle and a power, the versatile protean need to adapt and endure, to reach out and shape the universe entirely for that purpose, to mutate and redesign and test and iterate so that it can prevail, can seize existence and hold it, certain that it is everything, that there is nothing to life except living. And it has two faces, yet it is one shape. One face is the objective, which is obvious, and the other face is that will to sacrifice things and ideas for a single mission, the mission of becoming a shape, a shape that will not relent, the utter commitment to survival, to draw the right sword and choose where to cut, to allow this hunger to become your weapon. Cool. So that is a very brief summary of the Books of Sorrow. If you feel like that was not a detailed enough summary, then... Um, I really strongly recommend that you visit www.ishtar-collective.net and go to the Books of Sorrow category and read through them um, yourself because it's it's really it's a very difficult subject to summarize. Um, I think we've covered everything that we wanted to cover there. I think so. We're going to yeah. have 
a, at least a couple of episodes discussing what's what happens yeah. in these. So definitely keep an, keep an yeah. eye out for so, those. Yes. Um, our next episode is going to be focused on analyzing the Books of Sorrow as a whole. Um, so it's kind of a, an, an overall analysis of what we've just talked about. Um, we go into detail in a few areas, but yeah, it's quite broad. So thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for our next episode. Um, if you have any questions or thoughts or ideas, please let us know either on Twitter at IshtarCol or you can email us and you can find the address on our website www.ishtar-collective.net I've been Baxter I've been Purple Chimera Thanks for listening See you next time Bye